Thank you for joining us for this episode of the IPI Policy Basics Podcast. Today's topic is a closer look at the gender pay gap. We're coming to you today from the studios of Salem Media Group in Dallas, Texas. I'm Tom Giovanetti, the president of the Institute for Policy Innovation. With our IPI Policy Basics podcast, we're building an audio reference library on basic policy concepts and topics for those who want to learn and understand how to think about policy from a free market, limited government standpoint, or for those who simply need to get caught up to speed on a particular issue. I'm joined as usual today in studio by IPI resident scholar, Dr. Merrill Matthews. And Dr. Matthews, you've been taking a look at a relatively new book that's out, The Myth of American Inequality, Mm -hmm. which is jointly written by Phil Graham and John Early. And Robert Eakland. And Robert Eakland. And this is a sort of a hard data book with lots of numbers in it that actually looks at this issue of American inequality. And I guess I assume that this is one of several ways that people have responded to Thomas Piketty's book a few years ago, where basically he's arguing about this enormous, yawning, growing problem of inequality. Income inequality. Income inequality, exactly. And so you're not going to try to take on the whole book today, although people should go out and get the whole book. Yes, indeed. Uh, But you want to talk specifically about one portion of the book, which is this issue of gender pay gap. Right. Or gender pay inequality. Right. And so what really initiated this was that the Wall Street Journal recently had an editorial which highlighted that the Biden administration, the Biden White House, has a 20 cent gender pay gap. And what that means is the way that you the way you describe this is that women are making 80 cents for every dollar a man makes in the Biden White House. Hmm. And, of course, this is an issue because Democrats are constantly complaining about what they call the gender pay gap, the difference between what men make and women make. And they are constantly criticizing this and saying we've got the government has got to step in. And so we wanted to take a look at this and and explain what we're talking about. And part of the complication here has always been. Yes, but are we talking about the same job? Yes. Right? So when you talk about the Biden administration, you kind of are talking about the same jobs. Pretty aren't close you? to it. But you, have, <laughs> you do have higher pay and lower pay. But, right. here, but just to explain what the gender pay gap is. So I'll give you an example. The median weekly earnings, wage and salary, of all men working full time over age of 16 was $391. That's the median weekly earnings, okay. wage and salary combined. Women, for women, same thing, it's about $330 a week. And so the gap there is about 16 cents. So people will look at that and say, especially on the left, and say, see, men make more than women for doing the exact same jobs. Now, let's jump in for just a second, because this, this issue of median versus average is always confusing to right. people. Right, and this... Yeah, this is median, not average. The median is the halfway point between the highest paid man and the lowest paid man and the halfway point between the highest paid woman and the lowest paid woman. This is how the Federal Reserve Bank tracks this. And it is is a more accurate way to track things than average because averages are always thrown out of balance by the extremes, Right. right, by people who are extremely highly paid. Essentially, averages gets thrown off by outliers, whereas median tends to give you an actual better picture of reality. Right. Half, yeah. half or above and half or below. Yeah. So roughly 16%, uh, 16 cent pay gap between men and women, according to the Federal Reserve Bank right now. 
So that that's actually a, a, not as bad as the Biden White House. Mm. So what are we talking about here? In uh, the book, The Myth of American Equality, uh, John Early, who uh, is sort of the real numbers guy in this book, went through this and highlights several things, and we've done the same thing. So how does the Census Bureau come up with this pay gap that we're talking about here? Because the Census Bureau... Uh, looks at this as well. So it takes the median income of the full time, but when it does that, it doesn't really discriminate against, uh, it doesn't really look at different jobs or anything. It just says, here's all the full-time working men and what's the median pay there and all the full-time working women. So there's all kinds of variations that could be in there, but it doesn't look at that. Uh, and so, for instance, women women may t- tend to take lower paying jobs, right? Like when, when education or whatever. When they're talking about the gender pay gap, that's the only that's the only f- number they're looking at is the just the median pay of those two. Mm-hmm. So we'll walk through some of the reasons why we think this may not be discrimination because people claim it's discrimination. For one thing, John Early points out in the book, women who have never been married, the pay gap there is only nine cents. Mm-hmm. It's not. 16 or 17 cents is the figure he's using. Married women have a 22% cent pay gap. And women who were widowed, divorced, or separated had an 18 cent pay gap. Now, employers aren't out there saying, well, you're married, so we're going to pay you less. You're divorced, so we're not going to pay you as, as little as we pay married women. Uh, and you've never been married, so we're going to pay you a lot more. That's not what's right. Happening. You're not you're not having to answer those questions on your employment application, right? And so that's why that's why you know this is not discrimination. These variations are something that give us a hint that it's something else rather than discrimination going on. So here's here's the points that he makes. It measures full time year round workers. That's I, I mentioned that, but full time is defined as thirty five hours per week. Now, it turns out that if one group tends to work more, if either male or female tend to work more hours than the other, that could end up skewing it. And that's what exactly happens. It turns out that men, on average, work about two hours more per week than women. So, for instance, if you ended up working, and I'll just use 35 versus 40 because they're looking at people who work 35 hours or more at full time. If you work 35 hours a week, if a, if a woman works 35 hours a week and a man works 40 hours a week and you're only looking at the pay there, you would say the man makes more than the woman, even if they were paid exactly the same thing yep. because he puts in more hours. Even if they're paid the same hourly wage. Exactly the same yep. hourly wage. And so uh, what happens, men work on average uh, over, throughout the country two hours more per week than women on average. And so John Early says that that average, that works out to about four cents of the pay gap just because men tend to work a little more than women. Second one, teachers. Now this is interesting. Teachers on average work about 38 weeks per year, but the census bureau changes that to 52 weeks per year. Hmm. So if you make, I'll pick a figure. If you make $50,000 a year, for 38 weeks, but now they come in and say you're making $50,000 for 52 weeks, then you actually, your per week average is lower because you're taking that same salary and spreading it over more weeks. He says that actually overstates their income by 27%. Sure. Okay. So I went and looked at the figures. There's 3.8 million school teachers in the country. 
75% of them are women, mm-hmm. 25% are men. Just if you were looking at that, you would say uh, you would see a difference there because women are overrepresented in that that schedule of, of teachers where they actually are undercounted in their salaries. And argue, I mean, arguably, teachers only work for roughly three quarters of the year. They right. get a quarter of the year off. Now, of course, many of them will go and work summer schools right. or they, they may do other things during the summer. Yeah. But because the Census Bureau takes a 38-week job and counts it as 52 weeks, that automatically lowers the pressure, the amount you're making per week because mm-hmm. you're spending over 52 weeks. Yeah. And if you've got 75% are women and 25% are men, it's going to make it look like women are making less. Mm-hmm. That's the second point. Third point, women on average have worked fewer years than men. So what he says is women between the ages of 43 and 51 have nearly three fewer years experience than men of the same age. And because if you have less experience, you tend to make a little less. And he says that gives men 13% more experience and accounts for five cents of the pay gap. Fourth, Women still work in jobs that average that on average pay less. So the, he, he's going back to June O'Neill, somebody uh, who's been head of the CBO. I know June. She's a uh, an economist. Uh, she's retired now, but she uh, she worked through this, and she says the occupational choice accounts to about three cents of the pay gap. And a Georgetown University found that only one of the top ten earning profe- uh, professions has a majority of women. On the other hand, nine of the lowest earning positions are women, mm. majority. So when you look at the top paying professions, the top 10, only one of them are majority women. When you look at the bottom 10 uh, lowest paying professions, nine of those 10 are women. So if you were going to argue that this is discrimination, it's not discrimination against women. It's discrimination against certain Jobs, right? <laughs> that simply pay less because medical doctors now more women are moving into the medical profession, mm-hmm. health sciences, economics, and so forth, and that's why that gender pay gap has been decreasing right. over the years. But historically, women have been secretaries and other things that tend to be lower paying jobs. Mm-hmm. Teachers, as we were talking about, and men tended to go into hard sciences, mathematics, engineering, and things of that nature. That's changing, but that's been the case over the years. Yeah. The result is that when you take all of those aspects, hours worked, experience, selection of occupations, educational choices, and so forth, when you put them all together, that leaves about 1.5 cents of the 17 cent pay gap that's unexplained. Well, I was trying to add up the numbers in my mind as you were going, and I knew we were getting pretty close to 100%. So the point is, you of that 17 cent pay gap, you can account for just about all of it, all but 1.5 cents, just based upon these various things, hours worked, experience, yeah. uh, so, choices, so the, and the so point forth. is that there are some empirical explanations for the gender pay gap other than simply the hierarchy holding women down. Exactly. <laughs> which, which is the implication. Which is the implication yeah. of what they, always, that what they always try to say is apparently we're discriminating yeah. against women. But when you take all these factors into uh, account, mm. it really essentially wipes out the gender pay gap. Now, let's acknowledge that there was a time, and it wasn't that long ago, that certain professions were, in fact, closed off to women. Not only closed off to women, but in some cases paid 
men more. Yeah. I can't rem- It's been probably in the late 60s, early 70s. My mother worked full time all her life. And I remember her talking about some people in the office some men who actually did the same job, who made more. And I raised a question about that. I said, why is that? Well, he's got a family to take care of. So I don't really mind if he makes a little more, even if we're doing the same job. And she accepted that. I was young then. I didn't yeah. I didn't think much of it. This is something that I mean, you know, I hate to be like silly about this, but like if you're watching a show like Mad Men or whatever, mm-hmm. right, uh, to the degree that that's accurate, you are reminded the degree to which that was that was a factor. Well, he has a family to feed. Right. And, and this would also, though, apply to men like a single man would be paid less than married men. Mm-hmm. And it was just overt. Well, he's got a family and yes. you don't. He His needs are greater than yours. So we pay him more. So, I mean, that was a mentality. That, that was a, me- a mentality and a factor. Yeah. I don't know how prevalent it was, but it was a factor. Mm-hmm. And I've experienced it myself with my mother. Yeah. But those those things, we have laws against that now. And those things have been diminishing so that the gender pay gap has been declining as more women are entering into high paid professions. Uh, I think in medical schools, I think, if I'm not mistaken, women actually are the majority in medical schools now. And some of those uh, may be true in uh, the legal profession, going into law schools and so forth. So as that changes over time, that pay gap is going to diminish. Yeah, I I think this is a, a great way to wrap things up. And that is that we are not denying that in the past there was career discrimination against women. Right. And that the the net effect of that was a greater gender pay gap. But as as society has become more enlightened, more equal, as some of those barriers have come down, the gender pay gap has been declining mm-hmm. to the point now where it almost can entirely be explained, not by discrimination, but by choice of jobs. Just several factors, exactly. like choice of jobs, the hours yeah. you work, and so forth. And so if, if you want to talk for just a minute about like the future of the gender pay gap, we know right now that there are more women in, enrolled in college and universities than men. Mm-hmm. We know that there are more women obtaining professional degrees than men. We know that there are more women in graduate school than men. Uh, I think you're correct from what I've seen that there are shockingly high number of women in medical school now compared mm-hmm. to men. And so, you know, probably sometime in the next 10 or 12 years, we could see this gender pay gap almost entirely erased. I think it will diminish even more. I'd be surprised if it goes away completely because... Many women still feel like they want to be the primary care for the kids. Right. And so they may be willing to take a little more time off to take care of the kids, shuffle them around to school and uh, to their various events and things like that. Which is like going that. to affect like career earnings, could, right? Could like, if, you, if, career you take, earnings. if you take seven years off or 10 years off to raise your kids or whatever, um, that is going to affect your net career earnings and e- things like that. Even if you're going into the medical, if you're going to be a doctor, you may choose a slot like a just going to a, a a critical care center where you can emergency care center where you're going to have set hours and you can be home at certain hours mm-hmm. as opposed to having to be on the clock or at the hospital several hours a day because you're in charge of right. the emergency room or things of that nature. Right. You may make certain choices even in that regard, even with the legal profession. You may decide I want to take a job as a corporate attorney or something where I can be at work nine to five and not necessarily have to spend lots of hours defending people uh, where I might make a lot more money, but it takes a lot more time. So you're always going to have the implications of biology. I I think that's probably true. You're always going to have that as an explanation. I suspect it to be lower, but I suspect there'll always be something there. But the important thing is that if there's going to be a gender pay gap, 
as a society, you would like it to be entirely explained by the choices that women make. Standard economic As opposed factors. to discrimination. And if we're not there yet, we're awfully close. Right. Well, thank you for joining us for this episode of the IPI Policy Basics podcast. You can find out more about economic policy at our website at IPI.org. If you've enjoyed this podcast, how about giving us a favorable review on iTunes or on your favorite podcast platform? You could also help to sponsor these podcasts by becoming a member of IPI's Giving Society. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you next time.